the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. The future will be amazing. And that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400 horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to the Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions and promote evolutionary thinking. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring the great mystery. The most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious. It's the source of all true art and science. Albert Einstein. We're increasingly realizing that through our thoughts and beliefs, we create the reality in which we live. At the same time, education, indoctrination, dogma, media, conditioning, and all other forms of programming have nearly abolished original thought. How can we hope to think outside of the box if we're subject to its parameters? All shamanic practices use the art to transcend conditioned thinking by engaging the imagination. Stories, art, music, and dance are all used to take the shaman beyond the ordinary and into the extraordinary. Through the arts, we're transported into the mysterious where all things are possible, to the quantum level where manifestation begins. By interacting with the quantum level, we can not only predict possible futures and find our sweet spot therein, we can affect outcome. We can build a matrix of possibility in the imagination and through applying our will, direct its creation at the quantum level. This is the science of magic and the key to creating a new future one of unity and cooperation, rather than greed and destruction. The price of entry? Let go of the known and embrace the great mystery. For we can't solve problems by using the same kind of thinking we used when we created them. Again, Albert Einstein. With us to explore the great mystery, the power of the arts, and reimagining the world is Marco V. Morelli. He's a founder and CCO of Cosmos Cooperative and the creator of Metapsychosis Journal. He studied philosophy and cooperative li- comparative literature at Binghamton University and worked for Ken Wilber's Integral Institute from 2003 to 2007, co-authoring the book Integral Life Practice before leaving to follow the pathway of art. 
He's currently at work on a new book of poems, stories, and essays entitled, I Am the Singularity. His website, marcovmorelli.com. Marco, thank you so much for joining us on The Science of Magic. Well, thank you, Gwilda, for having me. Where do you stand on these being transformational times? <laughs> well, first, maybe before I go into that, I want to thank you for your introduction because it was so wonderful. And because I don't think we can talk about the times without talking about how we imagine the times and how we relate to uh, reality. And what I think you were saying in your introduction is that uh, the arts and the states of consciousness that artistic experiences uh, cultivate and enact and transmit and the practice of becoming an appreciator and a practitioner uh, of the arts in all their forms, uh, from the literary to the musical to the movement and so forth, uh, is, I think, one of the essential uh, things that people can do to relate to our times in a more perhaps generative way, a more creative way, a uh, more purposeful and meaningful way. And so, inso insofar as our times are transforming, I think that it's up to people to relate to them transformationally. And I think that means taking uh, creativity and indeed the magic of creativity uh, seriously. And of course, it's not just a serious matter, it's also a playful matter. And that's part of the fun of it is that, um, is that we could engage uh, these practices and we can engage in reality as playful, seriously playful beings. <laughs> I love that. Playfulness is so important, isn't it? Indeed, it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with, without it, we just take ourselves too serious, and we kind of lock lock in a mindset of seriousness that removes the creativity, don't you think? I think so, and I think that the creative spirit relies on a certain lightness of touch. Uh, I have two daughters, and I've learned so much from them how to play and also how to create uh, well, we're going to have to talk about playing and creating on the other side of a short commercial break. Marco and I will return shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Our current episodes are aired daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. In service to our listeners, prior innovative episodes can always be accessed free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. The Science of Magic is proud to be produced by Relmar McConnell Media Company, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Foundation focusing on evidence based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, 
and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification at Unification and Evolution of Consciousness. I'm your host, Golda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Marco V. Morelli, the founder of and CCO of Cosmos Cooperative and creative director of Metapsychosis Journal. He's, his website is marcovmorelli.com. I keep stumbling over metapsychosis. Why don't you tell me what that is, Marco? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a journal of consciousness, literature, and art, and we publish... Uh, original writing uh, and other forms of media by a number of um, excellent, uh, but in often cases, sort of unknown uh, artists and writers. And as for the name, uh, it's a bit of a neologism. Uh, when I named the journal that, uh, there were a few results on Google, but it's very similar to another word, uh, metempsychosis. It's spelled a little bit differently. And metempsychosis means the transmigration of souls or reincarnation. Uh, it's more of an esoteric word for that phenomena. And so that title, the title of the journal, is a play on that word metempsychosis and the idea of going meta on psychosis or meta on reality, uh, insofar as reality is kind of psychotic sometimes. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of like the creator, right? The, the creator is unfathomable. Uh, and the, <laughs> the creator doesn't necessarily know what uh, he, she, and it is doing all the time, and that's part of the joy of being a creator. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what do you see as the principles of the shift of consciousness um, that we're trying to achieve here? Well, I think I mean, fundamentally on a sort of civilizational level, and this is not my original thinking. This is the... Um, consensus of a network of different theorists is that we're shifting from one structure of consciousness to another structure of consciousness or another form or kind of consciousness. And uh, I mean, the, the one that is predominant now in official or mainstream society and that really you know, transmits itself through the media, educational systems, government, politics, etc., etc., is the mental and rational. Uh, there's a, a philosopher named Jean Gebser who uh, wrote about the, the mutation of structures of consciousness uh, through time 
and through different civilizational epochs. And the mental structure of consciousness is a wonderful thing. It lets us spatialize reality. It lets us uh, consider things logically, mathematically, scientifically, etc. Uh, but at the same time, it's not the full. Uh, it's not the only way of accessing reality, and it's not. It doesn't grant us access to the to the whole of reality. Uh, and so, to go beyond that, we have to explore other structures of consciousness and other states of consciousness that are enabled by different kinds of practice, not necessarily rational scientific practice, but artistic practice, shamanic practice, psychedelic practice. There are so many different ways of knowing reality. And I think that the shift involves moving from a predominantly mental, alienated and divorced from all the other structures to a more integrative uh, type of a consciousness that can hold the mental and do it well, because that's the science part, and that's an incredibly valuable uh, set of resources for us to have intellectually and, and as, as conscious beings, but also the mythic and the narrative and also the magical, and also a relationship to origin, to the fundamental ground or groundless ground of being itself. The mind tends to have a need to know. Um, isn't there a lot of value in not knowing so that you open up to possibility? Not just that, but also because the need to know is very painful. <laughs> and <laughs> it, uh, it, insofar as we are gripped in, the, in that, that mania of needing to know everything, needing to know, you know what's fundamentally real and to put it inside of a conceptual scheme or some kind of a representation, uh, we suffer. Uh, we suffer greatly, actually. And if we can relax a little bit around that and become more comfortable and conversant uh, with the unknown, letting the unknown be the unknown, because it, it's infinite and will always be unknown, we will never know it. Uh, so it's a pointless endeavor. And if we become, if we can allow for that and become more comfortable with it, uh, we enjoy life more uh, and we can be happier. And we could, I, I'm guessing, uh, we haven't quite achieved this as a human species, we could live a, a lot more harmoniously uh, on our planet or on any planet. It seems like when we're trying to lock down on something as in trying to know, trying to define, trying to control, that creates a lot of stress, doesn't it? Indeed. Yeah. It does. And it sucks. <laughs> and, and I know it very well. Uh, I um, am... Uh, strongly intellectual. Uh, I do feel that need to know. I do feel the, you know, the mania, the psychosis of the rational mind in me. It's not other than me. Uh, it's not other than any of us. It's within us all. Uh, and unfortunately, we're gripped by it uh, way too often. Uh, and so through practices like meditation or through even just having conversations like this, which are, you know, which are playful in their own right and they're exploratory, uh, I think we can just relax a bit and not suffer as much. Mm. Boy, wouldn't that be a nice change. <laughs> what do you think is uh, supporting um, this shift at this time? Well, um, certainly media is. Uh, media like, like this one, like yours. Uh, I think the ability to have conversations across time and space, uh, the fact that people will be able to listen to this uh, into the future. Uh, we don't know who will listen to this. There could be future AI uh, intelligences or alien intelligences listening to us right now and, you know, scanning the entire planet from another dimension to learn about, uh, about you know, our particular way of being and looking at the world. And um, so I think media is definitely supporting us, uh, explore, you know, way out there possibilities and um, creative pursuits. Um, but I think also beyond just the talking about it, uh, the, all the practices that we have, um, Meditation for me has been so important. Uh, I've been, uh, I started meditating in college uh, when I was a philosophy and a literature student, and it gave me a totally different, you know, um, a totally different way of being other than the mental academic. And by complementing the two, by having the, the, the intellectual side as well as the spacious side that comes from a practice of pure consciousness. Um, I, I felt very supported in doing in doing both mystical pursuits or contemplative pursuits as well as intellectual pursuits more effectively. We know meditation has been around for a long time, though, but now it seems like we're seeing more rapid change that we have historically. What do you suppose is going on? Well, uh, I think it's a general acceler acceleration of um, the pace of change. Um, 
I don't have a, a theory on it per se, uh, but there are many theories. Uh, Terence McKenna, for example, had his time wave novelty theory, which he was kind of borrowing from the I Ching and combining with a few other things. But the basic idea is that reality itself uh, has a certain frequency uh, and that that frequency could be uh, oscillating faster, could be speeding up. And as it speeds up, we experience more newness, more novelty, more creativity. And I mean, indeed, if you think about human history, what we know about it from, anthrop anthrop as an from anthropological uh, perspectives and sociological perspectives and historical perspectives, uh, up until a few hundred years ago, uh, the pace of change was relatively small. A lot of things happened. There was the emergence of agriculture. There were the emergence of empires. There were wars. There were all kinds of things. But in terms of just new forms coming into being, new art forms, new technological forms, new ideas, etc., um, it, it's kind of, it was a slow ramp up. And then with the, the coming to maturity of the mental rational uh, structure of consciousness and with the emergence of uh, industrial technology and then informational technology, that process of novelty began to recur and began to become, began to work on itself and to improve itself faster and faster. And so now we're approaching this point, which some call the singularity. I'm not making a theoretical judgment uh, on that idea, uh, only to note that there is a sense that we're converging on something, that we're going faster, that we're approaching some kind of a uh, point of ultimate complexity or something like that. And to notice that something like that is happening and to, you know, also, I think, be humble in acknowledging that we don't have the full view. We're kind of like feeling the elephant, that huge elephant. And I have I'm touching the tail over here and you're touching the foot or the trunk over there. But if we talk to each other and put together our stories and match up our, our data, I think we can get a better idea of what that convergence point, what that singularity and what this process that is leading us into the unknown actually is and what and is doing. You know what it reminds me of? It's like you take a still photograph and you can make any story around it that you want to. But when you make a flip book out of a series of photographs that uh, record an action and then flip it, all of a sudden a story starts to unfold that's different than anything you would have made up of something holding still. And as we move faster and faster and faster, we're getting a much more complete picture of reality. That's a really nice way of looking at it. Uh, and I think that I mean, as we talk about moving faster uh, and as we talk about the the ancient traditions, the ancient meditative traditions, and the ancient artistic and shamanic traditions, I think we could also put those two together and say that although it appears that everything is going faster, at the same time, actually nothing is moving at all. <laughs> and uh, there is only one thing, there's only consciousness, so there's only whatever you want to call it, uh, which has this kind of motion to it that's internal to it, but is not necessarily really really moving because moving in relation to what always in relation to something else relativistically but what's the space in which the movement itself is occurring and so uh it's important i think at least for me to stay sane not to <laughs> um not to kind of believe the hype too much uh and to you know feel what it wants to do to let the energy move uh and at the same time to kind of you know ride it with some stillness as well to the to the extent that's possible because uh, these are also critical times, and there are a lot of people who, and there's, who are suffering profoundly, and that has its own energetic signature that um, you know, doesn't allow us to just be still or just be blissed out all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, you started talking about feeling it instead of thinking it, because I'm experiencing, and I see a lot of people around me experiencing, there's some of the stuff you just can't wrap your head around, and to try is crazy-making. Uh, indeed it is, and so... Uh, we can try and we can go crazy uh, or yeah and we do that I think it sort of happens to us before we even know that it's happening I mean before you know you're crazy um, it's already happened and then you you know you realize that you're kind of freaking out you're panicking you're nervous you're anxious you're you know descending into more disorganized and incoherent states and the nice thing is is that you if you have the the car the karmic seed of a of a contemplative viewpoint or of a contemplative practice, then you could say, well, all that stuff I'm thinking and all that thing, all those things I believe to be true, may or may not be true. Let me just feel what's going on, 
and allow that to affect me as it will and let it pass because uh you know just like the weather reality is a chaotic system uh and it and it it comes and goes uh and everything passes so again like resting in that just pure consciousness is uh i think helpful for the times that we're in so it's like you're talking about being a witness uh of the storm versus caught up in it well a witness but not not separate from it because i mean we are the storm too and like we're creating the storm at the same time that we're suffering from it and witnessing it. So we sort of occupy all those perspectives at the same time. Amazing. Um, we're, we'll need to pick up with this on the other side of yet another commercial break. Marco and I will return to our discussion on the other side, so don't go away. We're coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network. You don't want to miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net, and there's a gang of them. You're listening to The Science of Magic your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. Love to get your emails, info at thescienceofmagic.net. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, starwalkervisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today. Know the name, know the person. Or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? 
There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Marco V. Morelli, the founder and CCO of Cosmos Cooperative and creative director of My Metapsychosis. I did it again, didn't I, Marcos? His website is Marco V. Morelli. Companies that set out to change the world should stand for something, something that matters. For Tanium, it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints. Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming, protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com. Marco, we were talking about um, kind of going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> And, and these are crazy times. These are crazy making times. And mm-hmm. at the same time, do you believe that that's part of the process, that we have to break down the old structures, which seems kind of crazy and chaotic, before we can recreate or create something new? I don't want to believe that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it seems to be what's happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, well, um, I, don't, I don't know what else to say about that. I mean, because it, it, it really is tragic in, in a lot of other ways. I, I don't want to just ride the bliss train. I just I don't want to, you know, just pretend that everything is uh, purely, you know, magical in the, in the good sense. There are also, there's also a dark side to magic, right? And uh, we, I think uh, one way of reading uh, our current crisis, our current civilizational global planetary crisis is that it's the effect and it's the work of uh, certain kinds of dark magic or magic wielded in uh, unsavory ways. And, uh, of course, I mean, we want to look at the political level of it or the scientific or the environmental level or what have you. But, I mean, how else do you explain uh, how certain events have unfolded other than, you know, by uh, acts of, you know, profound, uh, profoundly misguided uh, and powerful malice? <laughs> and insofar as that is a part of our reality, I think that we have to just face it as squarely as possible uh, and work with it. You know, it seems like um, part of the problem is we've been directed by the mind and not the heart. So we don't have binocular vision. And the mind can be logic into and out of just about anything in the absence of heart or the feeling senses. Would you speak to that? Well, I think the heart also has a dark side. Uh, the heart can be, a, one can have a dark heart, one can have a hole in, in, in one's heart. And the energy that is uh, radiating around or, or um, circulating into, like a black hole, uh, a, a dark heart, a heart that is profoundly wounded or traumatized or disconnected from other hearts, uh, that um, can be a, a, a very dangerous and, and damaging thing. So... Um, I think heart is important, but integrated heart, or uh, as one of my friends and mentors, Terry Patton, says, the integral heart, uh, which would be a heart that uh, includes the innocence of childhood, the the, the freedom to love, uh, aspiration, uh, meaningfulness, I mean, all those qualities, uh, as well as the integration with the mind and with uh, what we might call the soul or spirit. That would be the kind of heart that I think uh, is needed now. Uh, because there is a lot of emotion, and uh, you know, the heart is an emotion. The heart is the seat of emotion, but not all emotion is um, is is helpful uh, or healthful. Well, you know, we've all taken a beating. Uh, yeah. We've been living in some pretty coarse times and pretty heartless times, and I think a lot of the shutdown that we're looking at on the heart is because many of us have broken hearts. How are we going to come into an integral way of being when we have to move through something like that? That's a great question. Um, 
I'll t- I, I, I think that everyone has to find their own way to p- put together the pieces of their heart. <laughs> and there's no one way to do it. Uh, and in a lot of ways, our spiritual path is defined by the pieces that we pick up and what we're able to put together. Uh, and some, sometimes we can't. Uh, sometimes you know, the, we're always going to have some brokenness or some jaggedness. Uh, and so I can say for myself that uh, that reading and writing and talking to people uh, as honestly as I can, which is not always as honestly as I wish I could be, uh, because you know a lot of that, a lot of our ability even to just connect honestly and forthrightly is hampered by the ways in which we're heartbroken and wounded. But if we can talk about them and if we can explore our stories and the stories of many others who have gone through similar travails and experiences, I think that we could begin to soften around around those wounded spaces and uh, heal them a little bit um, and certainly um, empathize and connect with each other. I think that like that that's probably the best thing that I've found is to is to share in the in the in the in the heart brokenness uh to share in the in the suffering we know um all of the shamanic practices that i've studied and there's been a gang of them i have a deep respect for being able to embrace the joy and sorrow sine wave in equal measure in other words not clinging to your joy nor avoiding your sorrow how much of our heart brokenness is because we're afraid to go into those broken places well they are fearful and uh and we don't have uh, a supportive culture in, around us in general and often in our immediate networks and in our immediate uh, family systems uh, and communities, we, we don't really even know how to do it. And so uh, when, when, there, when we had more of a shamanic culture and more of a magical oriented culture that had a, a language and had practices for dealing with uh, the, the really fearsome aspects of the of the heart and of the of the subtle realm in, in general, uh, we could go into those places more and we could be more heroic there. Uh, but there are there are wrathful deities in there. There are hungry ghosts. There are all kinds of things in there that uh, we don't necessarily want to face like unprepared or, or or all by ourselves. And so it could be it could be very um, wise in, actually to be cautious uh, around um, around practices that deal with. Uh, uh, difficult, difficult aspects of our nature. Yeah, and we, we've lost those, and it seems like right now we really need to find them and revive them to move us through these times. And there are folks who are doing it all, all over the place. I mean, that's the that's the great thing. Uh, when I worked at Integral Institute with Ken Wilbur, one of the things that he was trying to do and that we were trying to do as an organization is to bring people that were doing practices and were creating communities that were supportive of doing this kind of interior work uh, and transformative work uh, and, and connecting them. Uh, and Wilbur had a particular framework that, uh, that, he, that he proposed as being integrative or having a place for uh, all the different traditions and the sciences and, et cetera, you know, and so forth. Uh, we don't need to uh, review the integral theory map um, here. But uh, the, I think that the basic, you know, the, the great thing is that there are so many people who are doing things and insofar as we can connect with each other through the internet media and talk to each other and share notes and experiment with uh, with trying things out and reporting our results in this sort of scientific way, but not like the rigid rationalistically scientific, but a sort of network science and a, and a, a science that's friendly to magic, friendly to story, friendly really to our whole being. And so and we're doing that. Uh, and that's the great thing. And it doesn't have to be um, it, it, it doesn't have to be kind of official. <laughs> yeah. It could be a lot of people doing a lot of different things and, uh, and emerging organically. Yeah, it's a lot of wonderful people doing extremely leading-edge things around this out there right now, and thank goodness for it, because we really, really need it. Uh, Marco, what do you think is generating the current reality that we're in? <laughs> uh, reality is self-generating, I, I, I would say. Uh, and I think... Um, when we get to that level of metaphysics, uh, we can only really speak in paradox. So what part do you think that education, religion, propaganda, advertising, and media play in the reality that we perceive? I think they help us cope and they help us organize. 
and they help us integrate uh, so that uh, we don't necessarily have vastly um, non-communicative realms of reality uh, that we can move between realities uh, more fluidly. Uh, so our waking reality, our uh, you know doing the things that we have to do, chopping wood, carrying water, and then our or more extraordinary experiences and our profound aesthetic experiences and our experiences of love and connection. A culture, a religion, and even propaganda all have an effect on how we experience those things. And what we call propaganda tends to be uh, the kinds of communications or the kinds of worldviews that um, that really seek to divide and conquer us. Uh, and that seems to be their effect and their magic, if you will. Uh, but when we have, I, I think, healthful and integrative uh, religions and cultures or religious aspects of our cultures, it really is one. We separate those things out, but most cultures don't separate out their religion from their culture. Um, when those when when those spheres are are helpful to the degree that they can be helpful, and they're always of course changing, uh, I think that we can be happier and that we can be more productive and creative and awake and alive, and we can appreciate and feel grateful for the mystery of existence. How how do you think that our um, separatist way of looking at life has affected our ability to manifest? It's it's uh, it's almost like suicidal, <laughs> and it's. Um, uh, it's like we're you know, running around like chickens without heads or heads without chickens uh, underneath <laughs> us. And I, I think that um, it's, uh, it's a profound problem. But I also understand to some extent where it's coming from um, because you know, we have manifested a scary reality. And so we need to protect ourselves from it. And the separatist impulse, is a, it, I think, arises out of a, a protective, a fearful uh, place. Uh, and we can never fully protect ourselves, of, of course, so we kind of go crazy uh, <laughs> and, you know, have to build up more and more arms, more and more force, more and more technology, more and more weaponry, etc. And it says it's a we're spiraling out of control, actually, with the separatist ment- mentality. Uh, and so um, I don't know. We're not going to necessarily solve that right here on this call. But I, Rats. I, I had my heart set. Mark, I, I had my heart set on that. <laughs> but it feels good to even recognize it, doesn't it? Together, I mean, to to just recognize the fact that we've gotten ourselves into quite a quite a pickle here, and to notice that, to for you to see that I see that, and I to see that you see me seeing that, and then for others to see that as well, uh, that creates um, that creates more of um, I think a momentum around uh, res- you know resisting a little bit, like continuing down that path and understanding a bit and I think hopefully tra- ultimately transmuting it and like kind of Aikido warriors taking that energy and repurposing it for more life-affirming purposes. So like you can't reaccess that energy until you pull it out of denial though, right? So that's why us exchanging ideas and witnessing the other person's viewpoint can start to shake that up? I believe so. Do you feel like that's happening? Oh, yeah. I do. I, that's one of the reasons I love doing this is because every time I talk to someone, a new possibility opens up that wasn't there before. And that's what I think it's going to take to reimagine the world. Well, um, then I'm really glad that we're doing it. Uh, and I appreciate the like I've looked at some of your other shows. You explore like all kinds of very interesting and out there topics. And um, even just looking at the titles of your shows is kind of psychedelic. Uh, so <laughs> I, um, I appreciate what, what you're doing and it's, it's cool too, that you have such great production values with, uh, uh, the, the music at the beginning and all this thing. It's kind of like its own magic production. Uh, do you, do you relate to this as a kind of magical act yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I can't help, but you know, it's, you have to have science and magic together. You have to have magic in there, don't you? <laughs> So, yeah. so can I ask you a question? Could, could we kind of turn, turn the tables a little bit? Um, well, actually, we're going to have to take a break, but we can explore that on the other side of this commercial break. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Marco and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. Join our email family to receive our amazing topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. And again, you can always email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net.
Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time? Study coincidences with me, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on my Connecting with Coincidence radio show here on the XZBN network. Listen to Jungians theorize, statisticians randomize, true believers evangelize, while I categorize. I dance to the rhythm of coincidences. People who experience me see more of them. Maybe something on the show matches a thought in your mind. Let us know. Expand your mind to the weirdness happening around you. Synchronicity spoken here, there, and everywhere. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence in your search engine and find my website, my social media sites, and my blog. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? Email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic or guest that's on your mind. You're probably not the only one that would enjoy hearing. 
Our guest this hour is Marco Vimarelli, the founder and CCO of Cosmos Cooperative and creator of Metapsychosis. Metapsychosis. Oh, oh I did it again, Marco. <laughs> His website is marcovimarelli.com. Would you say that word for me one more time? Metapsychosis. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't want everybody leaving with my rendition it's a, of it. It's a magic word. You, 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 have to, uh, you have to be initiated into being able to say it. So maybe that's what's going on. Yeah, my palate's not initiated. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, I want to change directions a little bit. You know, shaman have used rhythm, song, art, allegory, and story to shift consciousness for over 50,000 years. How do you see this as being useful today? Well, I think it's an inspiration. And I think that um, it also offers us um, a some models uh, that we can draw from in devising our own forms of uh, exploring uh, subtle and ultimate realities um, in a way that can be integrated with the rest of life. And that's part of what I'm doing with uh, the cooperative, Cosmos Cooperative. Like the idea is to uh, create a community that, whose purpose that's really dedicated to, uh, to what, quote unquote, um, to cultivating collective genius. And I just put that in quotes because we really have to explore what that means. Uh, but one of the things that it means is that I think that creativity and, uh, and uh, our understanding of reality comes from extraordinary social experiences. And if we can relate to each other as creative and co-creative uh, beings, if we can presume non-separateness, if you will, if we can just start from another premise, like just not start, like... We understand the separate mentality, but let's just not even begin there. Let's begin with the premise of unity uh, and difference and a recognition of all the, all the ways that we have a unique view uh, that we could probably do something really extraordinary. And, of course, that is what people are doing all around. But what if we start doing that intentionally? So that's the idea of, of the co-op is to draw on magic and mythos and science and the science of magic and the sort of integral uh, weaving together uh, of those different dimensions and see what we can create from there. It's really fun to see the creative people coming forth. I, um, I work with several people that are very multidimensional, my uh, producer, my son uh, as well. And, and it's like when we get together and start bouncing ideas off of each other, a whole new way of being opens up and and it's just it's just magic and you can't sit in a room by yourself and do that but it seems like we've been in this separatist place where we're afraid somebody's going to steal our idea or we're afraid to think out of the box i'm so glad to see that dissolving what role do you think the arts play in transcending that separateness reality we were talking about well they they i think teach us style they teach us how to how to, how to live with style how to interact with style how to think and feel with style, how to, how to feel more subtly, uh, how to feel more fully. Uh, in, even in this conversation, I would say it's an artful conversation, and you are a practitioner of the art of conversation. And, and that's why it feels more like a dance than like a battle or like some kind of uh, proving, you know, one perspective or another. It feels like we're dancing with each other. And or another way is like making music. You know, it, it, we, one metaphor I really like is the idea of a jo jazz ensemble where each player ha knows their instrument, they can play it well, but, and they could solo and they could, you know, soar. Like John Coltrane would soar into the stratosphere, into the cosmosphere. But then they could really play with others and let somebody else come forth and do, do their thing. And they could play together. And they also have this really interesting like uh, synchronicity between them and this sort of telepathy between them. And I think that develops just through getting to know each other and through working together on, in, in creative modes. Do you, do you see as we become more unified uh, that we'll have an increase of this trans transition between minds or telepathy? I would love that to happen. I, and uh, I'm very curious about how that will happen. Uh, I think that one of the ways it happens is just through being able to do something like we're doing right now, which is talking across time and space uh, using technology. Uh, I think, though, that the technology is not enough because it really also takes our disposition, our openness, our being here with each other in a certain kind of way with a shared intention and shared sort of horizon. Um, but when the technology gets even better, 
like when we have uh, neural implants or nanobots or that kind of a thing that are allowing us to communicate Wi-Fi without all this clunky equipment of my you know, screen monitor and microphone and so forth. That would be very interesting. I, I'm really curious what we'll be able to do then. <laughs> Tell us what you mean by planetary thought. Well, that's a good, that's a really great question. Uh, I mean, thought that takes the planet, as in this planet Earth, and you may hear a train going behind me, that's uh, the, the tracks by my house. Uh, <laughs> the, I, I'm, that takes the, the planet uh, in, as, a, as a horizon. And by horizon, I mean that it's thinking in terms of, of the whole or this particular whole. Uh, and once, so that would be on a, you know, that would be really feeling outside of, thinking, feeling outside of a personal context, a local context, a national context, even an international and global context, which are often more defined in terms of politics and economics, and looking more at a holistic com- context that includes all those things, that includes our earth and nature and the, um, uh, the, the, the biosphere, uh, but also includes the newosphere and also includes what's, what's beyond the newosphere. Uh, so I, I see thought occurring within that context, but as to the exact content of that thought, that really is um, whatever, whatever, whatever arises in that context. Uh, well, so. if, if we become more unified, what happens to our individuality? It doesn't go away. It intensifies. That's my experience anyway, uh, because I, I still uh, have a self uh, in, some, in some sense. Uh, it still is a particular sort of node, a uh, particular um, convergence point or uh, nexus of energies. It still has characteristics. It still has uh, qualities. It can still be experienced by others and have a particular kind of experience. And like what I, but, but now I have all these different stories and all these different sort of currents and influences that are part of my experience of, uh, of being a self, uh, being, of subjectivity or uh, being me. And so I feel even more unique at the same time that I'm less and less uh, central to the whole of being. Well, you speak of the singularity. What is that? Uh, well, it's a bit of a poetic play uh, in the way that I'm using it. Uh, in you know, the discourse of technology and science, the singularity is the time when computer intelligence or machine intelligence surpasses human intelligence and begins recursively uh, in increasing its own, poten- its own powers exponentially uh, and beyond which we don't know what will even happen. We can't predict it. We can't see it. That's the technological view. But it's very reductionistic. And it's simply looking at the objective reality at the technological layer of things. And it's totally cutting out consciousness. It's totally cutting out the self uh, or our interbeing. So, um, so to say I am the singularity, as the, as the, po- as the book of poems is, is called, is to, uh, is to bring those two together, to bring the technological and the uh, the sentient, the conscious, the human, uh, bring them together into one expression. Mm. We're just about out of time here. What advice would you give for people to help them move through these times where things are seemingly falling apart and we're, we're, we're striving for a better way to be? What do you think is the best steps they can take, we can take, to uh, embrace unity? Breathe. First of all, uh, I think that it's very easy to, in, in an atmosphere, in a spiritual atmosphere that we're in, that is in many ways poisoned, that is in many ways suffocating. We have to find where we can breathe. And uh, we have to practice that physically and in these, in these other senses as well. Our minds need to breathe. Our, our emotions need to breathe. We need breathing room. And oftentimes we can find that with each other. Uh, when we resonate with one another, when we resonate with each other's stories and with each other's presences, we can, you know, kind of come out of our our sense of crisis and our sense of separateness and begin to to recognize that we're not alone, 
uh, in our experience of difficulty, challenge, suffering, and that um, and and that we can that, that we can trust others. Uh, but we have to be careful, of course, because like it's 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 very sensitive, and we are we do need to become more vulnerable. Uh, so I, I would say to take to, to find where you can breathe first, and um, to find to to be very mindful and to find who you can trust. Uh, and when you find those people, love them, <laughs> love them well, and forgive them, and um, and let them let them positively influence you, but also learn from them because we're all wounded. Uh, we're, we're all um, uh, facing this, the same fundamental uh, challenge. You know, we're all traumatized. I'm, I'm, af- I'm afraid we're out of time, Marco. Thank you so yeah. much for coming on the show right. and for well, your wonderful you. work in the world. Thank you so much for having me, Golda. <laughs> yeah. Our guest this hour has been Marco V. Morelli, the founder and CCO of Cosmos Cooperative and the creative director of Metopsychosis. His website is marcovmorelli.com. This has been The Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you experience the mysterious. (laughs) 